You're listening to The Real Wealth Show with Kathy Fetke, the real estate investor's resource. What are experienced investors doing in this crazy, wild real estate market? I'm Kathy Fetke, and welcome to The Real Wealth Show. Well, who better to ask than one of Real Wealth Network's own investment counselors? Leah College began investing in real estate in 2010 when it was a very different market. Demand was low, supply was high, and prices were cheap. In 2017, she became a Real Wealth member and expanded her portfolio into five new markets while living overseas. She owns a dozen properties in Texas, Florida, Ohio, and Alabama. And several years ago, we invited her to be on an investor panel to share with other Real Wealth members what she's doing. We were so impressed that we were lucky enough to be able to hire her as an investment counselor helping others today. And so she knows a lot about what's going on out there and is going to share it with us here on The Real Wealth Show. So Leah, welcome back. Thanks for having me. I was just saying we we either need to do this more often or I need to move less. I'm on the eve of another uh, relocation here very soon. <laughs> oh my goodness. And that's because your husband is in the military. Right. They keep us moving. We were in Boston for a quick bit and now we're headed to Texas, which is our, our home state. And before that in Columbia. Right. right? Bogota, Columbia. And before that, mm -hmm. California. I mean, we've been all over. <laughs> Sounds like maybe a good time to not be in Columbia. Sounds like... <laughs> Tough time there right now. Yeah, it's been hard to watch. Yeah. 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 So, uh, well, I thank you for taking this time when you're trying to move. I know, well, you're probably <laughs> a real pro at it now. Uh, but how, how cool that let's just talk about that process. You are a real estate in, investor, you are investment counselor, at real wealth, and you just tried to buy a house in San Antonio for a primary residence since you're now going to be there. Right. Uh, you're, you're, uh, he's being uh, positioned. What, what do you call it? Tra transitioned. Yeah. There's a, there's a word for it. Assigned. It's assigned. Yes. <laughs> he's being assigned to San Antonio for about three years. What was the process like to try to buy your primary residence in San Antonio today? Uh, you know, I have a lot more practice buying investment properties than primaries. So I was in a really bad way for a while because I'm so pragmatic about purchases and looking at the numbers and being very logical through things. And unfortunately, the market in San Antonio is like many places in the country and you, it doesn't have, there's no room for that. <laughs> so it was, <laughs> it was stressful. And I think we made offers on six different homes all above asking all the day they came on the market, waiving, you know, appraisal contingencies. Oh. Um, and we were one of a dozen offers. And um, what we eventually started looking at to make it more numerical, we started looking at, okay, what is the, you know, average annual appreciation? Let's look at each quarter, you know, every quarter in these areas, homes are going up 4%. Um, so you start looking at, okay, if we wait until the fall or the winter months when things slow down, <laughs> if they slow down, if there's fewer buyers in the space, uh, we will probably be for, at 4%, at least maybe 8% higher prices. So we might as well come in strong with those offers now and and, um, and so that's what we did and we got one and, um, yeah, feel really, really good about it. And, um, yeah, but it was, it was counter to so many of the rules that we do when we're <laughs> buying investment property. <laughs> well, yeah, it's different when it's your primary, but I am curious, how do you know how much more to offer over asking price and, and what to let go of? I mean, no contingencies is really scary too. I know. Well, yeah, I think that is the, the delicate 
dance. And, and I think I'm a little bit messed up too, because everyone talks about you bring this California, you can bring a California bias into these other markets and everything looks cheap. And so you can just throw money that you don't think about. And we haven't lived in Texas for over a decade. Um, and during that decade, home values have clearly gone up in Texas. We've lived in California, we're living in Boston. So we've had some of that influence, I think, of like, how high housing prices can get. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it was trying to tamper that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it was really just after losing out on a couple offers that we thought were strong offers to begin with that we just started getting progressively and progressively more aggressive. <laughs> the irony though, is that the house appraised after it. So, wow. you know. <laughs> that, that's amazing in itself because that's been an issue too, where people do right. get the winning bid, but then they can't get the appraisal. Right. Did you also do no contingency on inspection or did you? No. No. Oh, we, good. We did, we did do an inspection contingency. Um, at, we did, I mean, they, I mean, that was, was crazy is we gave them an offer that I felt like was incredible and nervous about for, you know, a sick to my stomach about how much we'd offered on this home. <laughs> um, and they came back to the offer with a counter offer, you know, wanting us to adjust our terms even, you know, so it, it said to wow. us that our offer wasn't that much better than the other offers. So wow. uh, yeah, it was nuts, but, but I'm thrilled to know that we have a landing place on the other end. And so we'll, we'll move right in when we get there. Oh, that's great. Well, I'm glad you get to settle in for a bit. Well, let's talk about what you're hearing at Real Wealth. And uh, and I know you're talking to investors every day about what they're trying to buy. And I mean, what are you hearing from them? How hard is is trying to close on a property for an investor these days? It's competitive. I mean, deals are moving so fast that it's, it's completely opposite than it was when I joined the network back in 2016. Um, when I joined, you know, every team would maybe have 10 or 12 deals available at a given time. You could kind of think about the deals. You could get on a phone call and talk about it. You could put one under con. I mean, you just had, you had, um, time <laughs> time yeah <laughs> and now i mean we did we did a, a property showcase webinar with our indianapolis team last week and they featured four or five properties and i heard from the team about a half hour after the webinar they had 50 email inquiries and 20 requests for contracts um from our for, members on what five properties right oh wow <laughs> So it's intense, oh you know, yeah. so what I've been telling everybody is, it, you know, you've got to get yourself positioned where you understand what you're looking for. Your financing needs to be like ready to go. Um, don't put an offer on a property or even talk about putting an offer on a property before you've talked to the lender to make sure that this is even possible for you. Um, it's really just in the preparation. Um, mm -hmm. and, and then I think also <laughs> managing expectations. That's been a lot of my conversations is just, you know, helping everybody understand that you might need to be a little bit patient. If you have a one market that you really want to be in, you can get it. It, it will happen eventually, but mm -hmm. you might have to just be the squeaky wheel for a little while. Um, yeah. and to get, to get the deal that, that meets your criteria. And, and what's the case for new builds? Is it the same? Is there a wait list for those? Some markets do have wait lists for new builds, but I mean, I think there's still tremendous opportunity with the new builds because you have the ability to get something under contract today. Um, anybody that I talk to who wants to get something under contract, you know, we can, we have markets who have contracts ready to, ready to sign, you know, um, mm -hmm. 
but, but they're not to be delivered, you know, for another six to sometimes eight months. And so longer, maybe who knows, right. (laughs) Or longer. Yeah. I mean, it's so, so people who want to close on something really quick, we do have a couple teams that are, have partnered with regional level builders and those larger regional builders that are building for owner occupants, they're tending not to market their inventory for sale until it's already a house, you know, until it's got Mm -hmm. walls and maybe it's got a roof on and there may be, you know, 30 to 90 days from closing. So we do have um, some teams that have that pretty frequently, but it's, but it's, I mean, it's competitive. You just got to be ready to, to move quickly. And I have also noticed, I think a real sense of urgency with the investors that I'm speaking with. I mean, this has been quite a uh, year or two years going on two years now. Um, And I think I mean, real estate is in every headline <laughs> news article out there, what, what's happening. And so I think there's a lot of people wanting to now get into the space. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but, but there's this sense of urgency, like I need to get into this now, you know, before the, before the, the market changes or um, so, yeah, it's, it's an exciting place to be. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, for all the people who bought properties for the past 18 years that Real Wealth Network's been around. I mean, I hope I hope y'all held on to your properties because they're <laughs> worth gold today. Uh, it, it's it's amazing. I guess the question is, how much longer is this going to last? But but right. we we do know that. Uh, well, I should say in the past, it was kind of exciting to get in contract on a new build in a rising market because chances were that the property would be worth more by the time you close on it. Um, there's also a chance it could be worth worth less. I mean, that was one of the concerns I had with you when you bought that fourplex several years ago. I thought, well, that's kind of expensive for Florida. I wonder if you're paying too much, and you know, what if it doesn't appraise and you know, or cash flow? Well, that turned out to really work in your favor, right? I think you just closed on that in March. <laughs> yeah, we contracted that property in August of 2018, so it was a long time ago, and then we just closed this past March. Um, and you're right. And I mean, it scares me that that made you nervous back then. Maybe you should have warned me or maybe not by how, by how it ended. <laughs> well, it was just, uh, an uncertain time. You know, it was, tw- it was 2018, the, the end of 2018, the, the real estate was slowing down a little bit because rates were going up. Right. And, and I didn't t- typically in the past, the federal reserve raises rates when they want to slow down a booming economy. And typically they've done that too fast. Right. Um, I, I don't know if you remember, but during the Trump administration, there was an arg- you know, big argument between the fed and president Trump. And he was like, no, 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 stop raising and lower rates. And right. they did. And, and that kind of stopped what would have been a slowdown in real estate. Yeah. And then the opposite happened, you know, it, it happened even further with lower rates that has further fueled real estate. So it, it really right. is rate uh, dependent. It, oh yeah. You know. We locked, I mean, when we got our first, I went back and reviewed our very first fee sheet on that deal, just so I could kind of refresh, you know, what, what lens I was looking through at that time. And, you know, we, our lender had projected a rate of 5.625. The deal made sense fundamentally. And I think that's why, I mean, we are, we are fundamental investors. I'm not chasing appreciation. I like it just as much as everybody else, but you know, for a deal to work, like I want to see sustainability and I plan to hold it for a very long time. So, you know, what the property values were doing wasn't, it wasn't my 
that wasn't the trigger to, to go for a deal like this. Um, and then of course, having no knowledge of what would happen over the next, you know, two years, knowing that, I, I mean, when we contracted that property, we knew that it was going to be a longer delivery time, just the, the nature of that project. It's a quad development. So it's got, I think, 30 something other quads all next to it. So someone who's driving by might think it was a, an apartment complex, mm-hmm. but really the quad is owned by a separate investor. Um, and so we knew it was going to be a long time horizon. And we talked a lot about, you know, everything that could happen in that period of time, um, never once did we think pandemic, but, right. but we did play through some scenarios and I mean, there was mutual risk taken on behalf of the builder. I mean, the builder doesn't know what the market's going to do. And I think that's right. today is a perfect example of that construction costs going sky high, you know, and they've got contracts on 36 quads at one price, you know, this, they could leave a lot of money on the table or they could, they could be losing money in developments like this. So, um, yeah, I mean, fortunately in the end, everything worked out in our favor. Rents were higher than they were. Interest rates were lower than they were by over two percentage points. Um, so that ended up being an incredible deal. What was the purchase price? Um, it was right around, it was mid five. So about five thirty. Yeah. And that, that was the only reason I was like, well, that's kind of a big purchase. It It was a fourplex. So, I mean, you know, (laughs) that's, it's, it's great, but, uh, it's not our typical hundred at $150,000 house. So no. that, that's all. It wasn't, I didn't think it was particularly risky. <laughs> it just was bigger than some of the other things that we've done. So I'm just really glad it worked in your favor. Yeah, now, what we're right. seeing uh, is builders struggling to get, uh, and you know, get appliances, to get lumber, to, to get roofing even. I think on our um, Reno project, our builder couldn't couldn't even get the tiles. There there weren't the tiles for the roofs. I mean, yeah. this is unprecedented. So a lot of builders are having to reprice, and investors are are having to pay more because many of the contracts that were written kind of allow for that a clawback. If 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 the, if prices are unusually, I should say, the cost of materials is 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 real. If there's a big variance from what was originally expected, builders do have the right to to raise prices because they can't finish the project, right? If they can't right. afford to complete it, so investors are finding out that they're paying more for the finished product than they thought. How how are you? You know, what are you seeing? Are people okay with it? I mean, I know it's a surprise. Yeah, I think it's come as a surprise to many. Though I don't feel like anybody wasn't aware of what construction was experiencing right now. I mean, everybody mm-hmm. is hearing about the, you know, surge in the cost of lumber and other materials. So I think people understand it. And, and, and that's what I love about the investors that we work with. I feel like we work with very pragmatic people who, you know, understand that we're not pitching some kind of get rich quick scheme. Like this is about a free market. Like that's what makes this work. And so our builders are subject to the free market, just like we are as investors. And it, I think most people seem to be very understanding of the fact that they can't ask, I can't ask a builder to, to take a loss on a property. And and this is the irony is that while some of our builders were having trouble, like making money on these deals, as these costs have gone up, they were closing these properties and the investors were getting appraisals back with, you know, $40,000 of instant equity. And I mean, I don't want to say, you know, that's not fair, but it, it really is problematic, you know, it, to builders will go out of business doing that. And we, as investors, you know, n- we need the inventory. I mean, we need I, builders to be building. That's right. 
Right. Yeah. So I think most people have been really able to kind of look at the bigger picture and look, here's the good news is, is that rents have also gone up. Um, a, a lot of them still are closing with some equity and most of the builders who did have to come back and kind of adjust pricing, they were willing to split the difference with the investor. They know, Hey, on the retail market, I could sell this for way more. I'll split the difference with you so that this is fair. You know, so there's still some potentially some meat on the bone for you. And, um, so by and large, I mean, no one likes to hear that they're going to have to cough up a little bit of more, a little bit more money, but, um, but I think it's still, the fundamentals are still there and it still makes sense. Yeah, and uh, rents are going up as well, right? So the cash flows aren't necessarily much worse or, or worse at all? Yeah, I mean, I have noticed the cash flows are a little thinner um, just in kind of looking enterprise level, all the performance. The cash flow is is a little bit thinner now, certainly than it was two years ago, but that's kind of always the case, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, especially in these growth markets. I mean, what makes it a growth market is why there's a lot of new construction there, right? There's a housing shortage, um, so yeah. And, and it, it takes a long time to get the properties up and running. And, and when, when you've got an area growing so quickly and not enough supply, uh, and yeah. builders struggling to even get the materials that they need, you're going to see prices go up. And that of course, uh, has, has, um, cash flows tend to go down. So right. we're seeing more and more people flocking to real estate mm -hmm. because of, because of the fear that that's going to continue. If you right. listen to my last interview, uh, it sure, you know, Logan was pretty sure it's going to continue for a while. This is not yeah. over yet. Yeah. He said what, like a 4 million house deficit that our mm -hmm. nation has. I mean that, and I mean, my, my situation being a perfect example, it took two and a half years to build that quadplex. This supply isn't created overnight. And, um, you know, I was thinking about kind of, I love macroeconomics and I mean, that's why I love real estate. Um, but I was thinking about, you know, just the, the construction cost, if we didn't have this kind of surging demand that we do, think about how many builders they, they would they would not. I mean that that's that is ultimately what's creating this hike in the prices. But there's also some supply chain issues, right? And mm -hmm. um, so under different circumstances, there would there would be no there would be nobody building to to help offset this challenge that we have. We just don't have enough housing um, in this country. Yeah, yeah. and. Even though we didn't have as many births through, I, I thought there'd be a baby boom this past year. It turns out, I think people uh, were maybe afraid to have babies with so much uncertainty. We had, uh, there, there was less than expected, but our population is still growing. And, yeah. uh, and, and again, it's not as easy as people think to get new supply online. It just, it can take, for example, in Little Lane, we've got uh, in Carson City, Nevada, we bought land a couple of years ago and then COVID hit. And our team literally couldn't even get an appointment with the city planners because the offices were shut down. Right. So that delayed that project by about nine months. And, and it's wow. in an area that's in desperate need of housing. Yeah. So, you know, here on the one hand, an area really needs it, but the builders can't build it. They literally <laughs> could not even get the appointment, get the approvals to go. Right. We've seen that in Florida too. The the city offices are backlogged with permitting. Um, they're all working from home, so you know they they're slower to respond. Um, I had so we ha I have another new build under contract in Southwest Florida, and it was getting delayed, delayed, delayed. And we were going, what what is the reason? Like, help us just understand kind of where it's at. And and the builder came back to us and said that the subcontractors that they use to clear the lots were so backlogged for just clearing that they were, you know, they were on a three month wait list to have guys to come and knock down trees so that they could even start <laughs> to, yeah. to build. I mean, it's just, 
yeah, at every turn, it seems like. That's right. All right. Well, what kind of advice are are you giving to investors? And, and what are you seeing? Are you seeing mostly first-time real estate investors that call or is it repeat buyers? And- no, I'm glad you mentioned that because I was I was just thinking about that in my last response. Um, we I have noticed a lot of 1031 buyers mm-hmm. because it's such a great time to sell property. <laughs> yeah. Clearly hearing my story about selling or buying a a primary, you have buyers who are lining up to waive contingencies and give you cash. And I mean, it's a great time to sell. And so the number of 1031 exchange buyers exchanging out of California, getting top dollar and offers, you know, same day, I have noticed that increase significantly. So, you know, it, it definitely, and, and those are hard investors to, to help too, because they don't just need mm-hmm. one property. They're not just trying to get into the game. They need, you know, they're selling a one and a half million dollar home in, in LA and they need a portfolio of homes. They need four or five homes or six homes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that is definitely, I mean, it's exciting. And, and I shared a success story with some of our, our colleagues last week that we had a, a 1031 exchange buyer, ex- this exact scenario. She sold a one $4 million home um, in Southern California. And through our network and through our provider, she she bought six, uh, oh no, eight homes yeah. in Florida and even new construction in Charlotte, rehabs in Florida. Um, and she took her cash flow. So that $1.4 million home in LA cash flowed for her about $800 a month. She had some small loans on it. And now this portfolio of eight homes cash flows $6,400 a month for her. Wow. Um, yeah. So, you know, she really got to experience the power of one, a great seller's market in California, um, but then this repositioning in these more stable markets, still high growth, arguably, but, but where there's fundamentals and where there's really great cash flow. That's incredible. I, I, I'm so proud of you and our teams for being able to complete that exchange because it's not that easy to find the replacement property. I'd be kind of scared to sell something today and hope I can find something in 45 days, but you're, you're, you're seeing that our teams are able to, to get it done still. Yeah, no, they are. I I think her success is due in part, I mean, a lot of her to her grit. I mean, she was just very persistent in her approach, but we also started having this conversation about her exchange, you know, well in advance of her putting the property in California on the market. Um, And it was a scary time to be prolonging a sale. I mean, we were, we were in an election year, like there was a lot of uncertainty at the end of, of 2020 and kind of preparing for this. And so she was wondering, am I making a mistake by, by waiting to list this property until I kind of have this, you know, 1031 plan, you know, at least lightly ironed out. Um, But I think that is what is contributing to a lot of people's success is just knowing that the market is raging to sell. Let's work over here on the, the, the after scenario on the replacement properties and try to get that plan and at least those relationships with the teams really well established so that, you know, it's, it's feasible. And it is, I mean, we've seen lots of people um, be able to successfully do it. Yeah, we, I, we've got, I, I don't know if it would appeal to a lot of people, but we do have lots in our Park City project that uh, I think we've got five of them that can be sold to 1031 buyers, but they don't cash flow. But I think they're going to see some pretty incredible appreciation because you could barely get anything permitted in, in Park City. So if you come across anybody who who just needs an exchange, needs to get something soon, uh, we do have lots available. And what people, I believe what people can do is they can 1031 into the lot 
finish the uh, the exchange and then get a construction loan on that uh, on that lot and build and create a rental, which is another thing that we didn't really see coming. But a lot of people who own homes in in vacation areas, they they maybe have a second home or investment property in a vacation area, they moved there during 2020 because all of a sudden they could. They could leave the big cities and go live in Park City. And they found out that it wasn't just a great place to ski. There's also beautiful summers and beautiful springs and there's fishing and there's biking and hiking and stuff in the summer. So many of those rentals are now owner occupied in these vacation areas. So the demand for rentals is enormous. So it is an opportunity for somebody who who doesn't necessarily need the cash flow right now. They've got an exchange and they need to buy something right now. We do have those lots available. Yeah, every time you mention that Park Cities project, Kathy, my phone rings with people interested to know about it. So I, I do appreciate that. And, and that has been another, I think, key to being really successful. And and honestly, a great plug for the network and just being connected to where these these opportunities, where the flow of these opportunities is kind of passing through. You know, we've had several situations where, you know, we learn about a particular opportunity that could work, you know, last minute. I mean, Mm-hmm. Two weeks ago, I had a in, a, in an internal meeting, I learned about a duplex that a brand new construction duplex that was going to work with an exchange timeline. I immediately went, oh, I know the perfect buyer and got on the phone, <laughs> called him and he contracted it same day. And so wow. it's, yeah, being, being connected to kind of where these opportunities pass through is, is I think extremely, um, it's the way that it works now. <laughs> oh, that's, that's great, Leah, that you're able to, to, to con- connect the dots there. That's it's fun. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. I had said to Nick, I don't know if he told you this, but I said, we need to, for people who are in that, in that situation, we need to get a text s- system going. <laughs> so it's like, if you know, you're in the middle of an exchange and we know there's some property available, we can text you right away because the, again, it sells so fast things. sell so quickly. All right. Well, is there any last advice that you would give to our listeners? Yeah. I mean, I think with my, my, my biggest advice for people is always like you can analyze this thing to death, the idea of real estate and, and what market and what property you can, you can analyze it to death. And many people do. I myself am, am guilty of it. Um, but I think the sense of urgency, like you should not hastily buy things, but, but really realize like what these fundamentals are and why they work. And then look at, uh, you know, the demographic shift, look at what's happening in the market and see that there's opportunity and the opportunities now. And, and I think the tendency for a lot of people is to kind of wonder, you know, you know, is this, are we, at, are we at a, about to come up to a cliff and it's going to drop off and property values are just going to plummet and everything about the timing is wrong. But as you know, and as so many of your guests have said on the show, that's not what we think is happening. Um, it, it's a good time to be doing this. And so I think the action part of your, of your process, the emphasis should, should definitely be there. Oh, that's great. Love that. And uh, so how, how close are you to your goals and and what are your goals? What's your end game? (laughs) You know, oh, you and Rich would be mad at me for saying this, but I feel like our, our goal posts are moving a little bit just because we enjoy this. (laughs) That's the way it goes. They have, they're always moving. (laughs) 
you know, we, we got into it with this idea of, of financial freedom, you know, and okay, let's focus first on, you know, my income and get, you know, get the cash flow to a place where it can replace your income. And then we'll start working on my husband's income so that it aligns with his military retirement. And, um, but now we're just having so much fun. And this was clearly before I came to join the real wealth team too. So, um, so, you know, our goal right now, I think in the short term is to max out those Fannie Freddie loans. Um, mm-hmm. We're getting close to that. I've kind of been in the penalty box, if you will, with, with getting loans because I did have a, a career shift um, mm-hmm. and, and changing industries. So I've had right. two years of time out. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so meanwhile, we've been focusing on my husband's loan slots and getting those maxed out. He's almost there. And then, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in the, in the go uh, spot again. So now it's just max out my 10. And so our goal is to have tapped Fannie Freddie for all it's worth by, you know, the end of our time in Texas. So three years, that's, that's the short-term goal. (laughs) Oh, I love it. I love that. It's clear. (laughs) Wonderful. Well, I I have no doubt you'll get there. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) All right, Leah. Well, thank you so much for coming back on the Real Wealth Show. And thank you for all you do for our many, many members at Real Wealth and all the great investment counseling that you give them. (laughs) You bet. We'll talk soon. And thank you for joining me here on the Real Wealth Show. If you'd like to find out about the markets today where you can still get cash flow, where you can still find properties and where there's a great potential for appreciation, just go to realwellshow.com and click on the invest tab. You'll see a whole drop down of, I think, 15 different cities uh, and all the data on those cities, along with teams in those areas that can help you find that property. Again, that's realwellshow.com. Views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to realwealthshow.com.